KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. Once I was in, I'm all in. It's passion. It's a passion. It's not a job. I don't feel like I worked a day in my life. It had absolutely nothing to do with contracts, money. I don't wake up dreading Mondays and looking forward to the weekends. I love what I do, and I wouldn't have traded in for the world. And our guest this week, Villanova University head football coach Mark Ferrante. Coach, thanks so much for taking the time. Oh, no worries, Matt. Thank you for uh, asking me to be on with you today. My pleasure, and you know, always appreciate the fact that you uh, follow our program and put good information and, and good news out there on our behalf. So thank you for thinking to have me on today. So these are strange times for all of us. You should be waist deep into a season. You and I should be talking about a game against uh, Richmond or a Towson or somebody. Uh, obviously, because of the pandemic, uh, the season's been put on ice for now. Uh, how have the last few months been for you? How challenging? Uh, how much work is it to keep the kids engaged and keep everyone uh, on point? Right, right. So uh, to your opening statement, we actually would be getting ready to play James Madison on our home field for homecoming weekend this upcoming Saturday. So that's where we would have been in the season had we not been hit with this uh, COVID pandemic. So to the rest of your question, it's been challenging to say the least. In some ways, there's been some positives, you know, meaning let's start when we were asked to leave campus in March and then we didn't get back until August. Uh, Some of the things that we've all been able to experience Mainly, our student-athletes, guys on our team, have been able to spend a lot more time with their families than they normally would being a collegiate student-athlete or a college student in general. Same thing with our coaching staff. In the last months of uh, spring recruiting and even into the summer, because of Zoom, we've done virtual home visits where the recruit and his family would call us. And whether it be myself or whether it be the positional coach or whether it be the recruiting coach, we've, out of all the young men that we're recruiting that have given us, you know, at this point, a verbal commitment, obviously you can't sign anything until December. I've probably sat in front of them via computer two or three times each. And that never used to happen in our old evaluation of juniors heading into their senior year. So I would say the recruiting as challenging as it has been, has also been a positive. And then, you know, getting to the current team, it was a slow process to build back into activity with them. Uh, We missed out on all summer training, so we didn't come back until school started August 17th. And then week one was nothing, no workouts. Everyone had to go through all the medical clearance that they normally would have cleared in July. So, you know, concussion protocol and physicals and all those things. And then, you know, uh, additional stuff with the COVID. Um, And then it's been a slow build. We're still not all the way where we would want to be, minus playing games. Obviously, no one's there pretty much in our league and at our level. But we could at this point of the semester, if things were full speed ahead, we could be engaging in full team padded practices like like you do in the spring ball. Uh, what they're calling fall ball, but we have not been able to get to that point just yet, but we are 
out there offensively running practice. We are out there defensively running practice, just separate times. So we're more spread out and, you know, no physical contact. And, and then we have some special teams, things we do on Friday, which has been good. But again, more small group settings, not full team settings. So as far as being able to keep our guys engaged, uh, it's been good. Villanova University has managed this very well. We uh, have had cases, but, you know, Everyone's recovering really well for the most part. A lot of them have been uh, symptom-free, asymptomatic. So, you know, they get hit with a contact trace because maybe a roommate has it or something like that has gotten it. But we seem to be managing it really well on campus. So as of tomorrow, we've been here for 10 weeks. So um, it's been challenging, as you stated right at the top of your question. But um, to be here, you know, with the guys each day and uh, working out as much as we have been able to do, even though it hasn't been full team or full pads, it's been a positive and it's been uh, going pretty well up to this point in time. So football for you growing up as a kid was everything football or were you the a type of kid that played whatever was in season and kind of played a little bit of everything? The latter. I was, you know, we were football, basketball, baseball back in the day. Um, lacrosse was not big in upstate New York, which is where I grew up at the time. It is now, obviously. So my younger brother went football, basketball, lacrosse. But yeah, it's been eight years old, Pop Warner football, you know, Little League baseball and all the things that you get involved with. And then, you know, you go through your middle school, junior high school years and then into high school, you know, still playing multiple sports. So Whatever the season is, that's what you're out doing in the fall. If you're not playing, you're out playing touch in the street or tackle up in the local park. If it's the wintertime, you're playing basketball. And even up in upstate Syracuse, New York, you might shovel the driveway just to go out and play some basketball. And then uh, in the springtime, you're out you're out playing baseball. And if you don't have enough to play nine-on-nine, you're playing half fielders, home run derby or something like that back in the day. So you get on your bikes, you ride to the park, you meet your friends, and you play, like you said, whatever the season is at the time, that's kind of how you're rolling. Now, I know you were a quarterback in college. Were you always a quarterback? You know, I mean, I've been not just in the schoolyard, but high school, Pop Warner, did you was that the track you were on for the most part, start to finish? Yeah, it pretty much was. Back in those Pop Warner weight, weight pound leagues, my second year, so we had a really good team in our local community. We actually had enough people to have two teams in the same league. So we had a blue team and a gold team. But anyway, my second year, I think the weight limit was 75 pounds. I think I weighed 74 and a half pounds at the time. So I played quarterback and defensive tackle. Uh, so that was really fun and interesting. But yes, for the most part, it was, you know, quarterback, uh, coming up through the ranks and then, you know, safety, defense, linebacker and stuff like that. But once you get to high school, we had a, we were fortunate enough. I, I went to Henniger High School up in Syracuse. So fortunate enough to really not have too many guys playing both ways at the time. We had enough guys on our roster where, you, you know, you pretty much had, you know, one platoon on each side, 11 on, on one side, 11 on the other. So, you know, played quarterback. My junior and senior year was the starter. My sophomore year, I did play a little safety because – one of my great friends, Bob Campese up there, he uh, was one year ahead of me and he played quarterback as well. So I had to sit behind him my sophomore year. That's that's kind of how it trended up until college up at St. Lawrence, playing quarterback, you know, for the four years that I played up there as well. So 
more of an offensive minded guy, more of a quarterback slash skill position guy, but, you know, did have my little pop Warner days of playing D line and a little bit of tight end as well. When do you start thinking as a young quarterback that this could take you places, take you to college? Like, is it something early on? Do coaches start saying, Hey, you know, if you keep working hard, these are, these are windows that could be doors that could be open for you. How'd it come together? It's hard to say where it first triggered. I mean, my whole life was sports. Okay. Just to give you a little background of the family dynamic. My, my father coached me in little league. He coached my brother, Pop Warner, my older brother, Mike was two years older than me. So my dad coached him in football and transitioned and ended up coaching me in baseball. And then uh, that was through the Pop Warner, you know, eight years old up into the 12, 13, whatever range that is. And then once I went to, you know, the ninth, 10th, 11th grade, the high school years, my brother, my dad played at Christian Brothers Academy in Syracuse, New York. And the four years he played football for them, they were undefeated all four years. And one year they were undefeated and unscored upon. My dad actually was recruited to come to Villanova as I found out later in life. But he ended up getting sick the summer after his senior year and didn't go to college anywhere. He was actually, I think he was uh, on his way to go to Fordham on scholarship. And then he got sick and couldn't go to college. So he ended up going to a local school, Lemoyne College, which is up there in upstate New York. And they didn't have football. So he's like, okay, well, yes, my education is important, but my passion is football. So I, he joined the service. And so he's always been athletic, athletic background in everything, football being the primary. And then as long as I can remember, up until as recent as last year, my dad was a college official on the field and then became a college replay official. He just retired last year at the age of 82. He was in the American Conference uh, traveling to SMU and all those schools there, Memphis and Uh, obviously Temple and uh, doing replay up until last year. His last game, I don't know if the guy who's in charge of his signing, you know, did it to gave him a a bonus because his last game he did the replay for was last year's army Navy game. Oh, wow. And he's had that game a couple times, but that was his final year, uh, final game in his final year of his uh, replay. So football has been in his life and me mainly in my family for my whole life. I broke the mold. My older brother, as I mentioned, was coached by my dad at high school at Christian Brothers Academy. He went to the same school my dad did. I broke the mold and I went to the public school. My 10th grade year, I played against them. I played against my brother and my dad, and then my brother graduated, and then my dad still coached there. So, you know, very interesting conversations around the dinner table the week we had to play each other and and those type of things. So, uh, they did beat us. I don't know if you would ask that question, but they beat us my 10th grade year. And then my 11th and 12th grade year, we, we paid them back and we, we beat them. So football's always been in my life, even though we did play all the sports. Football's really the primary based on my dad's background and everything else. And then moving on to St. Lawrence, you know, again, not sure what you're going to do post-graduation and what the thought process might be as far as getting into this profession, Coach Talley. Coach Andy Talley was the guy who recruited me to go to St. Lawrence. So I've known Coach Talley since 1979. 
is when we first met. I remember playing quarterback up at St. Lawrence and coach Tally was the quarterback coach at the time, the head coach and the quarterback coach. So my freshman year at St. Lawrence was coach Tally's first year as a collegiate head coach. So we kind of came up through that together. My junior and senior year, between my junior and senior year, and then probably more so during my senior year, Coach Talley would often ask me, so what do you plan on doing after you graduate from St. Lawrence? And I thought I was going to go in. I liked math coming out of high school. I thought I was going to be, you know, maybe into accounting or economics, that type of area. Um, so I kind of went in with that thought process and graduated and came out a football coach because Coach Talley hired me the very first year right after I graduated and I stayed on with him and coached the running backs up at St. Lawrence for my first year as one of his graduate assistants up there at St. Lawrence. So don't really think I thought too much about, Hey, when I go to college and then graduate college, I want to be a coach. I don't think that was the high school thought process. Although I do know that my dad being a blue collar worker up there, being a sheet metal worker Monday through Friday, and then being a, official on the weekends or in the high school years, a coach on the weekends. I know he loved those times on the field more so than the times on that Monday through Friday. And, you know, you just kind of notice that growing up and, you know, sports has always been huge in our background, as I said. So I don't think I said, I'm going to go to college and then graduate and do something in athletics. But as it turned out that that's what I ended up doing. Do you remember given how much time you guys have worked together. Do you remember the first meeting with coach Tally? Do you remember the first time when he was recruiting you that you guys yeah. met? Yeah, it was. Um, so St. Lawrence actually Ted Strafford and he's since passed, but Ted Strafford was the original coach head coach there at the time that originally recruited me. So I did take a recruiting visit to St. Lawrence Coach Stratford was the coach up there at the time. And then before it was time to decide where you were going to go, and this is Division Three, so there's no signing day or anything like that. So I don't remember exactly where it was in the spring semester of my senior year. I don't know if it was January, February, or whatever. But Coach Stratford actually left St. Lawrence to go to Hamilton College. Hamilton College was also recruiting me. When I went and took my visit to Hamilton College, Coach Strafford was there. So I took two recruiting visits and met Coach Strafford at both places. And so that was funny because when I visited St. Lawrence, you know, it was your normal visit. You would imagine it would be. And, you know, you sit down with the coach at the end and then you go home. And then I went to Hamilton and it wasn't but a couple weeks apart. So that's how quickly he had moved locations. And when I walked into his office at Hamilton, he said, now, everything I said about St. Lawrence, I still believe, and it's still true. However, you know, we'd like to have you here at Hamilton, right? So, and I ended up, um, you know, whatever, taking that visit and then going back home. And then Coach Tally, the first time I met Coach Tally, he actually did a home visit to my house. So he came, and I remember we were sitting in our, my family dining room and talking with my mom and my dad. And, you know, that, that was the first meeting I had with Coach Tally. So he replaced Coach Stratford at St. Lawrence. He probably just looked at the recruiting list that they had established or talked to some of the assistants that were still on board there, gave them the list. And Coach Talley probably just went around. He came from Brown, so he knew how to recruit and he knew how to nationally recruit because the Ivy Leagues back in the late 70s were as pretty much big time as anybody. Coach Talley was definitely known as being a good recruiter. 
So now he just, uh, he probably just got in the car and just went and started checking people off of the current list that he was handed when he got the job. And uh, he did a home visit. He did a home visit to our house and that was our first meeting. So you had a lot of success at St. Lawrence. And it looks like looking, I was reading uh, the thing they put together when you went into the St. Lawrence Hall of Fame. Your senior year was really something special, not just from a stats standpoint, but you guys had a ton of success that year. Yeah, senior year, really, uh, it all came together. We had, we had some really good players uh, above and beyond the talent that you had. It was a really close group of guys, freshman through senior. It wasn't, you know, uh, it wasn't just the older group. It, it took everybody. Coach Tally came in with that, as I just mentioned, Ivy League mentality. So he recruited much larger geographical area than, you know, previous coaches at St. Lawrence had done, you know, upstate New York, two and a half hours north of Syracuse is where Canton, New York and St. Lawrence University is. So it's not in a heavily populated area and it's not in an easy to get to area. So, but Coach Tally, we had guys from, you know, Keith Henry, our stud running back from that year, broke records that year. He was from Florida. We had defensive linemen, couple guys from Grand Rapids, Michigan. We had some guys from Connecticut. We had some guys from New Jersey. So it wasn't your typical, you know, upstate New York type of team anymore. And it just all came together. And, and that year was really special. We, we went undefeated in regular season and then got to the semifinals. We were one game away from getting to the national championship game, but it didn't work out. But uh, yeah, that was a fun year. And uh, like I said, it, it took a lot of a lot of really good players to come together and, and develop really good relationships. And you see that all the time. We say that all the time, like our Oh nine championship team here. We did a podcast uh, yesterday and Ben Ijelan and Matt Caesar were on that call and they said the same thing. You know, they said the same thing that it was, yes, we were a talented group and yes, we had a lot of success that year in Oh nine. We won the national championship, but the, the bonds and the brotherhoods and the closeness and the chemistry or whatever it is you want to call it, uh, they had it. And, and I would say the same thing about our team in that 1982 St. Lawrence undefeated team of the regular season. We, we had that same kind of kind of thing. The numbers are, and I think if I read correctly, you still hold a lot of the single season records from that year. How would you scout yourself as a quarterback? What allowed you to have success <laughs> in addition to being surrounded by good players and coaches. Right. Okay. So let, let's clarify. I think the year I was inducted into the hall of fame, I did have the records. I think they have since been broke. Okay. So I don't think I have any more <laughs> records up there, but Hey, they, they hung around for a long time. That was 1982. That's and, a nice run in this yeah, day. That's yeah. a nice run. Right. And, and, uh, and to be honest with you, th this is kind of funny. The records I did have, I think there was three, if I'm not mistaken, but the records I did have were all passing records. And the reason I, I think that's, I don't want to say funny, but I'm most proud of is I came out of high school, we ran the wishbone. So we didn't throw the ball very well, and we didn't throw the ball much at all in high school. I think my whole senior year out of a nine-game season – I think we threw a total of 50 passes Wow, the whole season. And, and, and I think that was the most anybody had thrown at that school in a long time. When I went up to St. Lawrence and coach Telly came from Brown and coach Telly likes throwing the football. 
Uh, at one point, he had the Air Tally nickname. Okay, so the first couple practices at St. Lawrence, maybe the very first practice at St. Lawrence, Paul Evans, who later on became the head basketball coach at Navy and then Pittsburgh, he was our wide receiver coach. He fell down laughing when he saw me throw the ball for the first time because <laughs> it wasn't pretty. Believe me, it wasn't pretty. But, um, you know, I think the reason Coach Telly came in and we really ran an outside veer offense, and that came easy to me after running a wishbone offense because in the outside veer, you only read the D end, mm-hmm. and then you, you for, the, for the handoff to the, to the fullback, and then after that, you either keep it or get around the edge and maybe pitch later off of a um, outside linebacker or a strong safety or whatever is the next threat. But in the wishbone, you're reading the guy in the guard first. You're reading three tech for the handoff and the give. And then you're right there, right away, bang, bang, reading the end to potentially pitch it or keep it and turn it up inside. So um, Coach Talley's style of offense fit my play because we did run a lot of the outside veer option with Keith running it. He set the record for rushing that year. Uh, I set the record for single season passing that year. And then coach was smart enough to not put me in the pocket and be a pocket passer. A lot of it was play action and or sprint out. And, and that allowed me to have success. And I think just being around the game and being so football minded background, as I mentioned previously with my dad and everybody, I think I had a pretty good head on my shoulders because really athletically there was probably some D linemen that were faster than me. I know there was a whole lot of people on team stronger than me, but I just did what I could as far as just, you know, studying and, and making the good decisions and trying to be as good technique wise as I could to make up for the deficiencies that I may have had athletically. And uh, it, it worked out. And like I said, coaches system, he put me in position for success and the, the guys up front and everyone else around us uh, did a great job for allow us to have that great year. So, but I was proud of the fact that I did have passing records based on where I started in my career as a passer and then where we finished. So you, you join coaches staff out of college. How tough is it to go from player to coach with a lot of the same guys and you're going from, appear to a position of, I don't want to say power, but you're in charge. Was it a difficult transition? Difficult? No. And the reason I say it wasn't a difficult transition from coaching is because you knew the system, you knew the plays, you knew the team, you already had relationships with the players. So that was awesome. However, the peer friend to now coach you you got to know where to draw that line and that was the most challenging part because as you as you mentioned these are guys that I'm hanging with these are guys we just had a great season with we're celebrating together we're you know you're you're taking the lumps together and all that stuff and now I'm on the other side of it so that was very challenging to know where that line of separation needed to be and when we've had guys here at Villanova because I've been here so long now. It's probably happened more here than any other previous place I've been to. Some of our graduating players talk about maybe trying to get into coaching. And then they ask about, you know, do you think there might be an opening here? My recommendation to anyone who's graduating from a university and then wants to maybe get into coaching and have the opportunity to do it 
that very next year after graduation, like I did, I would almost recommend try to go somewhere else that first year. So you don't have that challenge of separation. Um, There was two of us on that team, myself and Craig Johnson, who unfortunately during this COVID has recently passed as well at the age of 60. So, uh, and Craig Johnson coached on coach Tally's staff here, his first, I don't even know how many years he was on coach Tally's original staff in 84, but Craig and I were teammates and coach hired us both right after that 82 season. I would say I didn't draw the line far enough and Craig probably drew it too far where some of the guys on the team were like, they would come up to me and be like his Nick Craig Johnson's nickname was CJ. They'd come up to me and be like, what's up with CJ? You know, like, is he too much of a coach too fast? And then, like I said, I was probably the other end of it where I was probably too close to some of the guys still especially the ones that were juniors when I was a senior and now they're in their senior year, but right. it, worked out, it worked out pretty well. And, you know, probably the fact that we had the season we had the year before and I was the captain of that team. I, I think, I, I think the respect for each other was already there in place, but I was only there for the one fall. So I, I think that was good. But in hindsight, as I said, I would recommend to anybody, if, if you're going to get into college coaching or coaching the year after you, right after you graduate, try not to do it at the school you just spent your four or five years. Give it a year's rest in between, maybe two, and then then come back. Right. Then come back, because then most of your main guys that you're hanging with are graduated. But that was a challenge from that perspective, you know, because I, I always liked hanging out with the guys, and you got to – figure out how you're going to do that without overstepping the line where it, where it needs to be. So after that year, I think it's Wagner Lafayette. You spend yeah. the next, I think one year at Wagner, a couple years at Lafayette, and then you come back to, or not come back to you, come back to coach Tally right. at Villanova. Uh, do you remember the conversation? Was it a coach Tally calls you up, says, Hey, I want to bring you in here. Was it a difficult decision or, when he laid it out, you were like, this is this is probably right for me. There was a lot of conversations. I'm a nice example for everyone out there of a, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Because at the time, as I mentioned, when Coach Tally coached me at St. Lawrence, he just recently came from being an assistant at Brown. At the same time, the Wagner head coach, Walt Hamline, was also an assistant at Brown with Coach Tally. And the head coach at Lafayette College, Bill Russo, was also an assistant at Brown with Coach Tally. So I went from one Brown assistant, Coach Tally, who's now a head coach of St. Lawrence, to Wagner College as a coach, to Lafayette College as a coach. All three of them were on the same Brown staff. It was not that there weren't interviews, but it was Coach Tally calling one guy, Coach Tally, and Coach Hamline calling the other guy, and that's how I got it. And so now I'm with Coach Russo at Lafayette. At the time, you know, my first year at St. Lawrence, I was a graduate assistant. My second year at Wagner, I was a graduate assistant. My third year, my first year at Lafayette, it's kind of like that 10-month part-time. I guess we'd call them interns today. Uh, as opposed to, you know, a part-time position. You can't call it part-time anymore. So it was 
Uh, but that's what it was. It was a 10 month position. And then my second year there, I was still on that same 10 month contract. Coach Talley called me and said, Hey, I may have an opportunity down here. Would you be interested? And I said, of course I'd be interested, you know, going from a 10 month contract to a full-time 12 month contract. That, that's a no brainer. Well, in the interim, and I remember I was up home. It was in the month of December. There was no recruiting at the time. It was a dead period. So I'm up home and, uh, I'm recruiting for Lafayette at the time, but I'm home visiting my family during the holidays and coach Talley called me. And then shortly after coach Talley called me, coach Russo called me and said, Hey, I may have an opportunity for you to put you on 12 month here at Lafayette. And I know those two have talked to each other because they're best of friends. So they talk to each other all the time. So then I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? And then coach Talley's saying, Hey, coach Talley actually told me that coach Russo was going to call me and offer me a better opportunity at Lafayette. And then Coach Talley also wasn't sure if he would have an opportunity with me here at Villanova. So I was, okay, this is great. I'm going to stay at Lafayette and I'm going to improve my situation and go from a 10-month part-time contract to a 12-month full-time contract and so on and make a little more money, which wasn't very much at the time, but it was what it was. I'm all set to tell Coach Russo, I'm good. Coach Talley calls me again and says, don't go to La- don't tell Billy you're staying at Lafayette yet. I might have a chance for you down here, right? And so now I'm like, gosh, what the heck am I going to do? I'm with Coach Russo at the time, but Coach Talley's a guy I've known for a longer period of time. And so I, I actually called a couple of the guys on the Lafayette staff, and I and I knew guys on the St. Lawrence staff as well. As I mentioned, Craig Johnson, CJ was down here working with Coach at the time, and some other guys, Dan McNeil, who I had known previously, and so on. So. Um, but I called some other guys and they said, Hey, if you have a chance to go to Villanova, you should go to Villanova. So when coach called me and offered me an opportunity, which was on the defensive side of the ball at the time, I took it and I ran with it. And then after that, coach Russo called me again and offered me more money than what coach Talley was offering me. But I stuck with the decision to come to Villanova and I ended up coaching the defensive ends slash outside linebackers depends what, you would call them today, but defensive ends back then for the first two years I was here at Villanova, I was on defense. Time for a break on one-on-one. We will have more with Villanova football coach Mark Ferrante right after this. Hey, everybody, it's Cherry Gregg here. You may know me around town as KYW News Radio's community affairs reporter, but every week I produce and host Flashpoint, a podcast where we highlight the hot topics in Philadelphia, local newsmakers, and changemakers burning things up in our region. From gerrymandering to gender equality and policing in schools, we'll walk you through the flames on Flashpoint. It's available wherever you downloaded this podcast that you're listening to now. So subscribe. Thanks so much. And we are back on One on One. Our guest this week, Villanova head football coach Mark Ferrante. Is this a point, I mean, is there any doubt that coaching is going to be your life at this point? Are you're definitely all in or... You know, especially when you're dealing with these con- these 10-month contracts and you're not making a lot of money. Is there a part of you that's thinking, maybe put my de- look in another direction, or are you pretty certain that this is where I'm going to be one way or the other? No, once I was in, I'm all in. It's passion. It's a passion. It's not a job. I don't feel like I worked a day in my life. It wasn't money. You know, the contracts that are out there now at all levels of professional and college football didn't exist back then. So, no, did not pursue this career or 
once I got into this career, decide to stay with this career as long as I have. It had absolutely nothing to do with contracts, money. It has nothing to do with any of that. It's basically you love what you do. You're passionate about what you do. Uh, I still feel the same way today. I don't wake up dreading Mondays and looking forward to the weekends. Although, you know, if you have games, you're looking forward to the weekends. But um, no, it's not, wow, I really can't sleep Sunday night because I'm just not excited to go to work on Monday like a lot of people tend to be. And I'm not just trying to get to Friday. It's, that's not, it. not at all. Not at all as far as, uh, you know, regardless of the contract, regardless of the situation, regardless of what we were doing at the time, it's, it's what you get into doing and have a lot of passion for it and love what you do. And, and that's what's kept me in it as long as I have. And the grass isn't always greener mentality. It's still not about the money because if later in my career, you know, if it was, then maybe this wouldn't be my 33rd year at Villanova. Maybe I would have been trying to, you know, find better opportunities. And there's not a lot of them out there in my humble opinions. So um, this has been a, a great place for me and my family, my wife, my son. And, and it's just what become home for us as far as Villanova is concerned. So no, there was no second guessing ever along the way. There was no, wow, that guy is making all that money, but, they live for the weekend and they can't wait for their two or three week paid vacation per year. And that's not how, that's not how I live. I love what I do and it changes. You have seasons, you know, you have your in season and which was taken away from this year. So this year has been a weird season, but you have your in season, then your recruiting season, then your spring practice season and spring recruiting season and summer vacation. You know, it's, it's just, uh, what I love doing and I wouldn't have traded in for the world. Do you realize when you arrive at Villanova, cause I'm guessing that's about the third year since they brought the program back. Right. It was like 85, 86, 80. So you're yeah, coach, was, coach was hired in 84. I came here in 87, 84 was pretty much just a rebuild recruiting year. And they played a little bit of a season in 85 and 86. So 87 is when I came on board and that's the first year. Like I think the 85 year, had a uh, five game season, right. so every week, and then the the eighty six had a nine game, and then my first year here in eighty seven, we had a full eleven game schedule, and we actually started playing some what were called one double A at the time. We actually had a couple one double A teams on our schedule, so I let coach do all the hard part, and then I joined in when it was up and running, and uh, you know came in, and then we started competing in the what was the Yankee Conference at the right. time, which is CAA with some, you know, different schools. But uh, in 87, my first year, we had our couple Yankee Conference opponents. Boston University, I think, was our first one we ever played. And then in 88 is when we became eligible for league championship and playoffs at the uh, now what is now known as the FCS level. How much fun are those first years as you guys are putting – the pieces together. And I mean, obviously Villanova had a very proud history prior to them right. shutting the program down for a few years. And then you guys kind of start, they coach tally starts it over there, but you know, those early years when you're, you know, the first time you're, you're playing in the conference, the first time you're playing these one double, how, how exciting and fun is that? 
Yeah, no, it, it was great to watch the whole thing grow. And, you know, like I just said, Coach Talley did and the staff he had in place at first from the 84 to 87 time frame before I came here. That was probably the, the most challenging, the hardest part. You know, you come here, you don't even have offices. So he's trying to put his hand in that and you don't have a team. So he's trying to, you know, are there any people on campus that are interested in playing? And then you got to go out and recruit. So you're doing a full year of recruiting and that can get long and challenging. So Coach Talley and his staff at the time, his original staff, probably did most of the grunt work. And, and then when I came here in 87, just to see where we were and then how it continued to progress in 88 and 89. We actually, I believe it was 88. It might've been 87. I think it was 88. The Wake Forest played us here at Villanova. And then in 89, we made it to the playoffs. That was exciting. We went and played Georgia Southern who went on to win the national championship that year. We ended up getting beat, but I think we scored the most points against their team for that whole season. So it was real exciting just to see, especially for coach and the guys that started at the ground floor. I didn't come in at the ground floor. I mean, shoot, he had a, he started below ground. He had to build the basement and then put in the foundation and all that stuff. And when I got here, the, the, you know, the structure was starting. It was fun. It was fun to watch those guys. And, you know, the recruiting was going well and, you know, it was, it was good. It was a, a great league to be a part of the Yankee conference then became the a 10 now became the CAA. It was just exciting. And then to see what some of those guys have gone on to do once they graduate from here and to be the successful husbands, fathers, businessmen that a lot of them are, and a lot of them come back now and support us and come to all the games and so on. So it's been fun to watch the whole thing develop and unfold right before your eyes. And coach Talley, like I said, did the hard part of getting it up and running and starting and, 33 years later from his start is when I took over. And now this is my 33rd year. So one more year under my belt, I'd be here longer than coach Talley, which is kind of hard to believe because, you know, his name is uh, synonymous with Villanova football as far as, you know, from the 1984. But like you said, the tradition was there. It's just that unfortunately in 19, after the 1980 season, whoever made those decisions, I wasn't around at the time, but when they dropped the program right after Howie Long and Joe Maycoy and some of those guys were here playing, I mean, there was a lot of good players and there was a lot of players that made it to the next level that came out of Villanova. And, uh, you know, they were a solid division one program at the time. So, but fortunately for coach Talley and now for myself, I don't know where we would be if Villanova didn't go through those tough times in 1980 to 1984. Maybe it's a blessing and, the fact that I ended up here is kind of weird considering, as I said, at the front of this program, my dad was actually recruited. And I think, I think there was three or four of his teammates from that Christian brothers Academy team that did end up coming and playing at Villanova back then. So pretty ironic that I ended up here as a head coach under all those uh, particulars. When do you, and I don't even know if there was a conscious decision, but the nature of coaching, it can lead to a lot of moving around and, you know, early in your career, three stops in four years. Was there a point when you realized that this is where I want to really set up shop and dig in and I want to call this my home program? I don't think that ever happened consciously, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, 
we already stated first year St. Lawrence, second year Wagner, third and fourth year Lafayette, fifth year in the profession at age 26, whatever you are, Villanova. Now, 33 years later, still at Villanova. Every year, my wife Georgie and I are like, maybe this is the year that we're going to go some, maybe this is the year, you know, early on, not, not lately, but early on, you know, um, cause I was on that national natural progression in the first four to five years. And I also think that what came into play was the way coach Talley allowed us to be coaches, you know, and I have a lot of friends in the profession that are my age, maybe slightly older that came up through the ranks before me and talking with them and sharing experiences and sharing stories. Uh, a lot of them didn't have a lot of quality family time outside of their professional coaching football time. And, you know, each year you, you always have goals, right? And you always have aspirations. Did I, did I think I would be a head coach? Yes. I had dreamed of being a head coach. Did I think I'd maybe try to go to the NFL? Yes, that thought comes across your mind from time to time. But then I also think about the quality of life as opposed to the quantity or I guess quantity of dollars, if you will, or something like that. So each year my wife and I talk about it and it'd be like, maybe this is the year. And it just, there were other opportunities, nothing you know, crazy. It's not like Penn State called me to be the head coach or anything like that. Or, you know, I had multiple NFL opportunities. It wasn't those type of things, but it was coordinator jobs at other FCS programs or maybe some head jobs at Division Two and Division Three programs. But um, every time I got to that crossroad of what another opportunity uh, might be presented at the time, we just felt Villanova was still the better option. The only time I felt like, okay, I'm not leaving. Okay, is when my son Jimmy started going to Villanova. When he came here as his freshman year, I'm like, okay, George, my wife Georgia, it looks like we're staying for the next four at least because this this tuition benefit is too good to pass up. So that's the only time I really felt stuck, if you will. But other than that, it just every year you 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 reassess where you are um, personally, professionally as your family and so on. And when my son was in high school, he played high school baseball at Phoenix high school, baseball seasons in the spring. And as coaches were on the road in the spring, doing our spring recruiting and evaluation. And whether it's because I had been here an extended period of time and had some seniority, I did recruit Eastern Pennsylvania up to upstate New York at the time. And I would set my daily recruiting schedule pretty much around his baseball schedule. So out of 18 high school baseball games, I probably made it to 16 of his games. And when you tell that to other coaches in college football, they're like, that's almost unheard of. Mm -hmm. No, just imagine if, you know, I was the Ohio recruiter at the time, or if I was the Florida recruiter at the time, or if I was even the New Jersey recruiter at the time, I would have missed those opportunities to watch my son play high school baseball. But I was at Villanova, and I was the area recruiter at the time, so I was able to work that out. And so to me, those things are as important as what I'm doing professionally. And at Villanova, we have that family mindset and that family mentality. So 
not that we don't put in our hours and not that we don't grind at what we do and not that we don't watch as much film as the next guy and this, that, and the other thing, but you know, coach tally, that was his philosophy at the time. And I still carry it to this day. Um, you know, family's important. So, you know, bring your kids in there to work in the office. That's no problem. Um, you know, if you have something you need to get to and you have to cut out early because of that, it's a family situation. That's no problem. And, like I said at the front end of this podcast, with this COVID situation, we're all gaining more and more of that family time right now because we don't have a season. So the silver lining of where we are of not having a season comes in those areas. Never felt stuck, uh, but never felt itchy to get out either, just because of the quality of life that we've been able to maintain here at Villanova University and its football program, whether it's under Coach Tally or now currently in the chair I'm sitting in now. We could probably do a series of podcasts just on great games and seasons and players you guys have had over the years. I want to focus, obviously, on that the year you guys win the national championship. You had had runs before. You had knocked on the doors. You had had national players of the year. 2009, it all comes together. Take me back. Is that a season that early in the year you feel like – I don't think anybody says we're going to win a national championship, but – you looked at it and go, you know what? If we stay healthy, if we we do our thing, we got a chance to make this really interesting. So in 07, you could see it starting to build. And a lot of those guys that we'll talk about here in a minute were freshmen at the time and some sophomores. And then 08, we made it to the playoffs, lost down at James Madison. But we felt we're on the edge of being pretty good. Winning it in 09 – if I had to say anything, I would say we won it a year earlier than anticipated or expected. Not that, as you said, you ever say we're going to win it. You know, maybe North Dakota can say that these days. But that 9 team, there were just a lot of good players, but they had that chemistry, everything that we talked about earlier. And as I mentioned, talking with Ben and Matt just the other day, talking about that season and that game against Montana down in Chattanooga, you could feel it building. You, you could feel that you were going in the right direction. And like I said, we were really saying we're going to be really good in 2010 when these guys are seniors and all that. But we ended up winning it in 09 when Ijalan and Caesar and Whitney and Dempsey and a lot of those guys, Bavaro were juniors. It was exciting. It was exciting to say the least. And that year was really special. And But like I said, you don't get there just on talent. You get there with the talent. And then, as you mentioned, you, you have the luck of staying healthy. And, you know, there's some luck along the way. There was some games in that year where you just squeak by. And then there was some other games where you win pretty handily. And then we had that stumble in the middle of the year, which is probably one of the most memorable games we were all talking about the other day, the New Hampshire loss during the regular season. Because I think that just kind of gave us the smack in the face we needed as we were five and zero heading into that game, maybe six and zero at the time. But I think it was five and zero. And if we got to six, it's hard to go undefeated from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's hard to be a fifteen and zero team to win the whole thing. So I think that loss against New Hampshire in the regular season really allowed us to refocus get our feet back on the ground. Not that we had guys with heads in the clouds or anything like that, but, you know, I I think that game 
really helped propel us to finish the year and then, you know, win the whole thing at the end. So that was something that we, you kind of saw it building as, as you asked. And then in grand scheme of things to win it in 09, it was probably a year earlier than we thought we were going to have a really good shot. And then in 2010, we almost went back, but we didn't quite make it. We got to the final four and a little different regular season turned into a little different playoff travel situation. And that made it a little more challenging. When is there a moment when you realize we're going to be, when it really sinks in, we're going to be national champions or is it that clock has to hit zero and then we celebrate? Unfortunately, we had to wait till almost the end. But here's, this is something we talked about the other day as well with the guys. They were throwing the ball all, all over the lot in the first half. They had, a, I don't remember his first name, but Mariani was the receiver. And he played in the league uh, after he left Montana. He had something like 11 receptions in the first half. I thought it was eight. Coach Talley corrected me the other day, and I think he said 11 receptions in the first half. They had almost close to 300 yards passing in the first half. I think the halftime score was either 14 to three or 14 to nine. Uh, I'm not sure, but they were winning at halftime and we were still doing well, but not putting the ball in the end zone, but it was a close contested game for the first half, but they definitely outgained us in yardage, especially passing yardage. And, and the story coach Talley brought up the other day, Mark Reardon, our defense coordinator at the time went up to coach Talley and said, coach, they're eating us alive, playing this zone. We got to go man. And Coach Talley's recollection of the story was, Mark, we don't play much man. And uh, Mark Reardon, Coach Reardon goes, Coach, I know that, but we can't just keep sitting in this zone. You see what they did in the first half. So we made an adjustment on defense, which obviously worked out because Mariani did not have a catch in the second half. I do remember that. And then we just started running the ball. Mm-hmm. And as the offensive line coach at the time, um, you know, you just love that. I think we threw 16 total passes and probably 54 or so runs, which, you know, normally we're closer to that 50, 50, 60, 40 range run to pass, but um, we were heavy runs because we were moving them. Nobody panicked at halftime. You could almost sense the maturity of the team that they're like, okay. And again, I'd have to look at the stat sheet. I can't remember if it was 14, three or 14, nine, but whichever one it was, there was no panic. There was nothing. It was just a calmness in the locker room at halftime. And it's like, we got this. And, and they just, and they just had that sense of confidence. I don't want to say cockiness, but borderline. And um, we went out there in the second half and we just took it to them. We controlled the ball. The ground game was going crazy. Caesar, I remember one of his touchdowns, you know, there, there's times and I, and I said this on the podcast the other day, there's times where you see running backs or ball carriers, whoever they are, um, kind of run over people. And then you see guys run through people. He ran through a guy on the goal line to score that touchdown. And, um, you know, we ended up taking the lead. And it really could have been over earlier. I think it was we had the ball with three-plus minutes to play just got a first down at the plus 15. If we score on this drive, game's over, because it was 23 to 14 at the time. We punch one more in, game over. Mm -hmm. The first down play, we ran the ball, because we weren't probably going to throw it 
at all the rest of the way at this right. point. You know, we're up by, um, you know, what would that be? Nine points. We pump one more in ball game. We run the ball on first down, get whatever, three, four yards. On the second down play, balls at like the 12-yard line. Our great center, captain of the team, Brian Brannigan, snaps it over Whitney's head, and we lose 19 yards. And then after that, we don't get the first down. We're not going to try a 40-plus yard field goal, so we punt it to them and pin them down. They drive and score, so that's why – the score ended up being 23-21 because they scored and got that close within that last three minutes of the game. And then we got the ball back, and we couldn't just knee it out. I can't remember the total amount of time on the clock, but we do need, we did need to get one more first down. And once Caesar got that last first down, now the sidelines starting to celebrate. They dumped the ice over Coach Talley's head. People are taking off the headsets that we, I think we knee it out one time and then, and then people clear the stand. So it was, so we you did know it before it got to total zeros, but we made it a little more interesting than it really needed to be, um, you know, just because of that one play. And as an offensive line coach, right. As I told you, they threw the ball all over the lot. I think they ended up with 355 passing yards. And I think we ended up with like 352 rushing yards. Mm-hmm. So we were we almost ran the ball for more yards than they threw it for. And as an O line coach, you're like that would be awesome. And if we didn't have that loss of 19 yards on the team rush, bad snap, we would have had I don't know 370 yards rushing and 500 yards total. Yeah. But uh, as it turned out. We won the game. That's all that matters. Those other stats don't matter. But uh, it was a, a great game, great contest. And, you know, it was uh, really awesome to see everybody, you know, enjoying the celebration on the field afterwards and so on. So you have the long career as an assistant. And then when Coach Talley decides to retire, you're taking over the program. Do you remember when that was first broached? Was it? just kind of a casual at a certain point when coach Talley kind of knows when he wants to, to step aside and, you know, you you just start to see, because I think it was the year before you took over that the announcement was made. If I'm, if I remember correctly. Right. Right. So there's a couple answers to that one. So coach Talley, and this is one I share with people because it's kind of funny, but Coach Talley at one point brought me in. So it was something that had been discussed over time. Now, the amount of time, not all the time over this amount of time, but Coach Talley one time pulled me in the office and and said, hey, Mark, I'd like to make you the assistant head coach, associate head coach. I could see me doing this four or five more years, meaning him being the head coach and then turn it over to you. That was kind of a talked about plan that he had brought me in and and talked to me about. I ended up having the associate head coach's title for 17 years. So, (laughs) so that was kind of when it was first talked about, but like I said, it wasn't anything that was then talked about every year. Mm -hmm. It was just how it unfolded. Coach just, kept coaching and I kept being the assistant and it kind of worked out that way. 
And then you're correct in your statement of Coach Talley's final season was going to be the fall of 2016, but they announced me as his predecessor in January of 2016. So in the spring before his actual final fall season. And the reason we did that, that was the year Mark Jackson came in and he came in from uh, USC at the time. You have a February signing date. There was no early signing date at the time. So you have the February signing date. And Mark was talking to me and he's saying, you know, because so we're about to sign a class in February. And that group is going to come here and Coach Talley's going to be their head coach their freshman year. And then I'm going to be their head coach. So the reason we announced it in January and then Coach Talley and I, after that announcement, got on the phone and called every recruit and their family that was about to sign with us in that February and let them know that was going to be what was happening. And are you good with that? Are, do you still want to sign with Villanova knowing that Coach Talley is only going to be your head coach for one year and then Coach Franny's taking over? And every one of the guys that planned on signing with us stuck with us, and uh, it worked out. So that's the main reason that we announced it so far in advance of when it actually happened. And in 16, we went to the playoffs, and unfortunately we lost to South Dakota State out at their place in the first week of December. And then the following Monday is kind of when I took over. So that's kind of why the announcement came 11 months prior to when it actually happened or almost the full 12 months prior to when it happened. In closing here, I just want to know so much experience, so many memories. What is your favorite part of your job? Is it game planning? Is it the kids? Is it, that right. 10 minutes before the game starts or the 10 minutes once the game's over, what's at the top of the depth chart for you? Yeah, the the main reason I, I love what I do, and I say this all the time and I've said it before, is the relationships with the players and, and the staff. The, the relationships you build, staying involved in the sport that you love, and that that's really what has kept me, has gotten me into it and has kept me into it this long. You know, the wins are great. The losses are tough. You know, game planning, all those things, game day. There's no feeling. I don't know. I don't know. This is really all I've done, so I don't know if there's another feeling out there, but I don't think there's a feeling anywhere of that locker room post game, that big win. But it's really, I do it because I really love what I do. As I said, I don't feel I've worked a day in my life, and I really love um, having the interaction I have with young student athletes, um, watching them come in as freshmen, grow and progress to what they become as seniors and graduating. And then, as I mentioned, I mean, some of the guys, when I first got here, I was 26 and some of them were 23 and 24 at the time. So, you know, they're in their fifties now too. And, you know, you just have those long lasting relationships. So it's really the the day-to-day and the relationships that you build with the people that you're around on a day-to-day basis. Mark Ferranti, thanks so much for joining us this week. Matt, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, buddy. You have a great week. You're welcome. 
And that will do it for this week's episode of One on One. Want to thank Villanova University head football coach Mark Ferrante for being our guest. If you like this show, want to help us out, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and a review. Now, you can follow the show on Twitter at One on One Pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at MattLeon1060. Thanks again for listening and check back next week for another conversation with someone you should know more about.